And so uh, I just want to add my encouragement to you to consider giving and give generously toward that. The people of Ukraine, we all know what kind of situation they're in and the things that are going on there. And uh, they desperately need the gospel. Uh, and, and they have an open door for it. So it's a wonderful opportunity for that to happen. Um, I'm going to share with you a little bit today, maybe more along the lines of sharing than preaching. I'll try to get a little preaching in for you so you don't leave disappointed that you didn't hear any preaching this morning. But uh, uh, 21 years ago tonight, or last night, Tammy and I were in New York City. 21 years ago, last night, the 10th of September, 2001. We had just signed a lease on the apartment that we were going to be living in as we pastored the church in Brooklyn, Metro International Church, that was attached to Metro Sunday School with Bill Wilson. And uh, when, after we had signed the lease, we decided we were going to be brave and asked to use one of the ministry vehicles and drive into Manhattan, our first time into Manhattan. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been to New York, but driving in Manhattan is unlike anything you've ever experienced in your life. It's like Atlanta times 10. So Atlanta may be a, a greater point of reference. But... Uh, so we, we got a van and we went and it took us forever. It's only like seven miles. It took us about an hour and a half to go those seven miles. And, and we uh, went down uh, Broadway and 7th Avenue and 42nd Street, all the big tourist spots we rode through there. And then we wanted to make our way downtown and go to the Twin Towers. This is on the 10th of September. It took us so long to see the, the Midtown area. By the time we got downtown, we couldn't go inside. So we just drove around, hopped out real quick, and just took pictures looking straight up at the towers. And they were so tall, folks, that it made you dizzy just looking up at them. And we had to jump in our van because our flight was at night, the evening of the 10th from LaGuardia. And uh, there was weather delays, and we didn't get out of LaGuardia until one of the last flights uh, that they let leave because they, they have a time cut off at LaGuardia. They don't care. They're going to quit flying at a certain time. So we got out of there and made it to Atlanta because, you know, you got to go through Atlanta to get to heaven. That's just true. If, if, you're, <laughs> if you live in the South, you're going to do that. So we made it to Atlanta and, of course, had missed our connecting flight. So the airline put us up in a room, and... Uh, uh, we were awakened the next morning by a, a frantic call from my sister-in-law saying, are you guys still in New York City? And we said, no. Uh, we, we got stuck in Atlanta on our way. We're flying out this morning. And she said, well, you might want to turn the TV on because a plane has just uh, flown into one of the towers. So we turned the TV on just in time to see the second plane hit the second tower. And under the unction, it had to be under the unction of the Holy Ghost, my wife turned to me and said, we need to rent a car right now because there's not going to be any flying today. Of course, they had not announced that yet, but you could reasonably assume. So we got on the phone and we called every agency we could. And finally, we hit up Enterprise and they had one car left. They said, we have one car left and it was a Geo Metro. <laughs> well, we just took that as another sign from God because we had just been at Metro the night before in New York. At Metro Ministries, we get a Geo Metro that would hold us and our luggage, and that was about it. But people were so desperate to get home, and we just everybody was that had a vehicle would say, "Hey, I've got a van going here, I've got a car going here. Anybody need a ride?" So we did the same thing by faith, believing that we could hold someone. 
And uh, we hollered out, we got a Geo Metro going to Panama City, Florida. We were living in Panama City at the time. And uh, a young lady was in tears. And she said, yes, I need to get home to my baby. She had been on guard her two weeks of guard duty. And uh, she needed to get home. So we piled everything we could. I, I don't know how she managed to ride in that back seat. But we got her to Panama City. And when we got there, we rented a truck and loaded up our first load of stuff and started heading back to New York on that Friday. Saturday night, about midnight, we crossed on the other side of the river from ground zero. And we had to put claws over our face just to get by there. We were on the Brooklyn side of the river, which is right directly across from ground zero. You could still see flames, everything. It was just horrific. And we got to the, our, our place for the night at Metro at about 1.30 that morning. And that Sunday was to be our very first Sunday as resident pastors of Metro Christian Center, Sunday, September 16th, 2001. And I'm a, I'm a good old boy from Prattville, Alabama. I had no point of reference for inner city ministry, so I was already just pleading with God to help us when we got there. How are we going to minister to all these inner city people? But when 9-11 happened, my my prayer changed, Lord, what am I going to say to these people who have just witnessed the most horrific thing that they've ever seen with their eyes on American soil? And on top of that, the only person that we had had time to have dinner with that went to the church there at Metro was working on the 92nd floor of the second tower. And, of course, she, she died. So we had a church member in that church so we're just praying, asking God, God, what, what are we going to do? What, what are we going to say? And I want to I let you know something. When the scripture says, if you ask God that when you open your mouth, he will fill it, he will do it. And so God gave us a tremendous word for us. It, whether it ministered to them or not, uh, I'm not 100% sure. I believe that it did. But for us, it was a great word that he had given us that in the midst of this tragedy, there was a horrible opportunity that had been created and come to pass for the church. Not anything we would have chosen, but we had an, a horrible opportunity to share the gospel with people who probably now were going to be more receptive to it than ever before. And sure enough, our church, all three services were packed with people standing outside, people sitting in the bleachers on the side that weren't even pulled out. People were desperate, they were afraid, they were, they were looking for some comfort and for some peace. And for the next several months, the church was like that. After about three months, things began to slowly drift back to normal within the church. But God had given us this, this incredible opportunity. Again, our phrase became, we have a, a horrible opportunity to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and in the midst of everything that was going on there and all that we were trying to accomplish in just those months. We were, we were literally working every day right across the river where Tamei had driven. Above that is a, a thing called the promenade in Brooklyn Heights. And from it, you are directly across from where ground zero. So we would go set up tables and we would uh, just give people orange juice and coffee and hot chocolate and uh, anything that we could do and then offer to pray with them. And people were coming and hanging pictures on the on the fencing that was around the promenade, you, you all saw the pictures. 
You all can remember where you were probably on that day when it happened. And God, in His sovereignty, even provided something for the nation that day. And before I share that, I want to read, if you'll allow me to read the whole chapter today, I want to read to you Psalm chapter number 46. And, and you might be thinking, you know, why are you sharing this information with us today other than the obvious fact that today is the 21st anniversary of 9-11. But that's not my purpose in sharing it with you. It's just to build a backstory for what I believe God would have me share with all of us today. And if you'll allow me again, I'm going to read the entire chapter. There's only 11 verses, so I'm going to be reading from my Bible here. Well, you know what? I'll just read from the screen. That way we'll all be on the same page. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for this. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in an uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Hallelujah. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Leave that there for one second. I want us all to read verse 11 together. And I want you to read it as a declaration, not like you're reading a book or reading an article, but you're reading it as a declaration straight from God into our spirits today. Let's do it together. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. We thank you today, God, for your word and the promises and the peace and the comfort and the strength that we can draw from it and and that we drew from it during that entire time after September 11th, 2001 in our nation and even around the world, people were watching and seeing how the church was going to respond. And God, we thank you that you gave us uh, this horrible opportunity to share the gospel. And many people were one to Christ, but God, we are living in another horrible opportunity right now in our nation and around the world. The craziness is beyond comprehension. The conversations we have with each other are conversations that we can hardly believe we are, we are sharing with one another because we never could believe that those kind of things would happen in our lifetime and in our nation and even within the church. But God, you are our fortress. We can run to you. We can hide in you. We can take refuge in you. And you will be exalted No matter what media may say, no matter what the pundits may say, no matter what the government may do, God, we serve you and you alone. And you are our God, you are our refuge, and you are our source. And for that we give you praise and thanks and glory and honor in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. As I said earlier, we all remember where we were on that day. 
We certainly do. It was such a vivid day for us, the experience of it, and, and hearing the city that we were going to go and minister in had just suffered this incredible terrorist attack and tragedy of the nation. We also remember many of the images that were seen that day. You know, the phrase became, we'll never forget, never forget. And, and I don't believe we've forgotten, but we've certainly drifted far away from it, right? And, and many people on those days said, God, we'll never forget you. Thank you for sparing us. Thank you for bringing us through. Thank you that there were no more attacks that day. But we've drifted away from that, too, as a, as a nation, clearly. But we remember so many of the images and, and the faces and the people and the scenes of that day. But among the most memorable images and symbols was the metal cross from 9-11. And there it is when it was found. And Scott, if you'll just keep that up for a little bit. It wasn't very pretty, but neither was the cross of Christ. But it instantly became the rallying point for the work of Ground Zero in New York City. People wanted to get close to it. People wanted to take pictures of it. People wanted to kneel at it. It became the symbol of and of reflection and resolve. It became the place that people looked to for comfort and, and peace and hope. It became all these things and more, not because of it being the metal beams that happened to fall together, but because of its resemblance to the cross of Jesus Christ. See, without the cross of Christ, there was no hope in that symbol. That symbol reminded people that there is a God that there is a Savior, and His name is Jesus. And the hope that they felt was not because of a, a, a couple of steel beams that, that just happened to be cut and fell, and, that, and this, this was not made after it hit. It was made while it was going down. And this symbol is still in the 9-11 memorial in New York City. And I, I for one, as a Christian, am so thankful that they kept that. But I think they had no choice to keep it because it became where people went for hope. And its resemblance and representation of the cross of Christ made it the rallying point of redemption. It was a rallying place of reflection for what has been done for us. A rallying place of resolve that through His strength we endure. See, they went to the cross, some of them not, maybe not fully realizing why, but that cross had power because of the cross of Christ. And through that symbol, many were saved. It was a place of comfort in knowing that He is sovereign. He is a sovereign God and He still reigns. It became a place of peace in the assurance that once we receive Him, He holds us in His hand. If you're a child of God today, that cross, that symbol right there, uh, symbolizing the cross of Christ is a reminder to you that He has your life in His hand. That He loves you so much that He gave Himself on that cross just for you. And of course, it became a place of healing where people went to recover from the loss of a loved one and, and seek hope and comfort from the loss of friends and the loss of, of the innocence of a nation to a great degree. And some felt like it was a place of comfort because we lost the naivete that we had as a nation, that it couldn't happen to us. But more than anything, it became a place of hope a place where people went, a place where people 
found hope because it was where the price for our sins had been paid. And just as His cross, along with the tomb, is empty, we can know that death has been conquered and we have victory over the grave because of the cross of Jesus Christ. Without the cross, there's no resurrection. Without the cross, there's not even a need for resurrection. God could have chosen to do it that way, couldn't He? He's God, He's sovereign, but He chose to show us His great love by sending His Son to die on a cross in my place for sins that I had committed and that I would commit. He died in our place. All of us, He died before we were even born by a long shot. But He knew we would need a Savior, so He came and God sent Him. And it's that cross that draws people out of a life that is destined for hell into a life that is destined for heaven and an eternity with God. The picture of the cross is the picture of our salvation. We don't wear a a necklace of an empty tomb around our necks, do we? In fact, I don't know that I've ever seen a necklace of an empty tomb seen around anyone's neck, but I sure see a lot of crosses. Some people buy them as just pieces of jewelry. I pray that everyone that did, that that cross would somehow make its way into their heart instead of just on their neck, right? But many of us wear crosses because we know what it, and reminds us of what it represents, what it means in our life. That our life has been paid for by Jesus' death on the cross. And it's this cross that we need to be preaching. It's this cross that we need to be sharing with people. And we're in the midst of this other horrible opportunity we have. The world has gone absolutely mad and crazy. Have you had those conversations in your house where you're reading an article and you read it and you can't even believe what it says? You know that they're allowing five and six-year-olds to learn about things that no 12 or 13-year-old should learn of. They're allowing young people to make decisions about what kind of person they want to be. Can I tell you that this kind of stuff to me is the strongest sin against God ever because it is shaking your fist at God and essentially saying, God, you made a mistake when you made me. And we know God makes no mistakes, right? But the things that we're experiencing that are surrounding us, that are in our schools, that that have crept some into the church where some mainline denominations, I'm sorry to say it this way, but they've lost their minds. The things that they were embraced in the, in the name of relevance and tolerance. That's not the reason Jesus came and died so we could be tolerant. He died so we could be saved. He died so we could be brought out of those places. And people look at the cross of Christ and and the message of Christ, and they think it's ridiculous. That should come as no surprise to you. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 1 and verse number 18. And it says this, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. Oh, the cross does not offend me. The cross blesses me. Now, there's moments when the cross saddens me knowing what Jesus had to go through for me. But I rejoice in the cross because it's where my life was paid for. It's so I can have peace and joy today. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Amen? And there's joy because of the cross of Jesus Christ. But to people that don't yet know Him, it is foolishness. Why would God choose 
preaching the cross to win people to Him. Why would God choose such an instrument of death to be the source of life? Can I tell you why? Because He's God. The sovereignty of God is something we can't explain. That's why we have faith. We don't have faith in what we know and understand about God because we have knowledge of that, right? Where our faith kicks in is those places that we don't have full knowledge and we don't have full understanding. So you know where our faith is? In the sovereignty of God. That He knows things we do not know. He understands things that we cannot understand. And He has chosen things to do that we, we would not have done had we been God. But thankfully, none of us are. Because we would have messed this thing up really bad. But God doesn't mess up at anything. The reality is as beautiful and as important as the ground zero cross has become and was to so many people, it means nothing without the cross of Christ. That's where life for us flows from. Now, I'm a patriot. I served eight years in the Marine Corps. I love this country. And it saddens me to see the state that our nation is in and what is going on in our nation. It's, it's unprecedented in the history of our republic. But as much as I love our nation, I love God all the more. This nation cannot save me. This government cannot provide for me. My source is God. He has resources that He gives, but He is my source. And I love Him and I want to serve Him and I desire to declare His message around everywhere I can go. And I want to tell us all today that the urgency of the time for us to be sharing our faith is unlike any other time in history. We need to not be afraid to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And that salvation was purchased on the cross. The attacks that we're experiencing in our country today are much different than 9-11. Those were from outside in. Now we're being attacked from inside out. And anything that's going to be effectively destroyed is usually destroyed from the inside out. And that's what the enemy means for our nation. That's what the enemy means for the church. But God's promise is the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. When people get up and give you the doom and gloom that the church is in such a bad state and, and the church is just not going to make it, don't believe that. Now, can the church do a better job of, of representing Christ and being more urgent? Absolutely. But this church of Jesus Christ on this planet will not pass away. When Jesus comes, things will change. But until then, the church will be here and the church will be alive and well. And by the way, there's more to the church than the church in America. Now, thankfully, the church in America still gives more than 80 cents on the dollar of every dollar that is spent on missions around the world. So it's vitally important. And part of my job description within the conference is to work along these lines. It's vitally important for our churches to be healthy and strong and growing because if the church in America dies, what will happen to the work of the gospel around the world? Amen? If we become less effective, so do missions around the world. If we become less giving, so... Uh, mission suffers because we're giving more than 80% of every mission dollar. So it's important that we, we be alive and we be well and we be excited about who we serve and what God is doing. And that's totally 
counterintuitive to how the world thinks we ought to be. We should be scared and huddled in our homes and afraid to do anything and stock up everything. Look, be wise, be smart, but don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. We serve God Almighty. We need not fear. This attack is against God, not against me and you. When you boil it down to its base facts, this attack is against God and the things of God and the people of God. Terrorism is on the rise. Atheism is on the rise. It's just unbelievable in our country. Transgenderism, attack against the family, etc., etc., etc. I'm not going to get up here and give the devil's laundry list of all the things he's trying to do in our world. We all kind of know what's going on. You can't avoid it. You'll know what's going on if you have a pulse and you can hear and you can see. You will know what's going on. But I see this time as another season of horrible opportunity. I'm not happy about where the world is. I'm not happy about where our nation is. I'm not even happy 100% about where the church is, but I'm not going to kick against it. I'm not going to talk about the darkness. I'm going to light a candle. And each of us have that light inside of us. We need to be concerned, but not fearful. Look at Romans chapter 8. One, One of my favorite passages of scripture, Romans chapter number 8, verse 28, uh, starting in verse number 28. Romans 8, 28. Did I give you that one? I didn't give you that one. Sorry about that. I will read it. We all know what the first part is, right? For we know that all things will work together to those who love God and are called according to His purpose, right? Don't forget that called according to His purpose part. That's very vital. I was trying to give him scripture so I would not have to do this turning, but here it is. In verse 29 it says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. And whom he called, he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Listen to verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? all the things that are happening in our world today, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? See, the enemy's big weapons are our past and fear. If he can get you to live in your past, the mistakes of your past, the things that went wrong in your life in the past, he makes you of none effect in the kingdom of God. That's why he likes to keep bringing your past up to you. And the second thing is, is fear. If he can get you fearful, he'll paralyze you and keep you from doing what you know God would have for you to do. We do not need to fear because if God's for us, then what's the difference who's against us? There is nothing that can conquer God. There is a solution to all the craziness that's going on in the world. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people, who are called by my name. Now this is not to the world, this is to his people. This is not to folks that are on the fringe. This is not even to churchgoers, this is to his people. I'd love to say every churchgoer is his people, but we know the reality of that is not true. Some of us have gone to church a long time. I went to church my whole life, but didn't have a relationship with him until I was 19 years old. But I knew church. I knew how to do it. 
Man, I would go teach vacation Bible school in the summers, drive all, ride all the way from Prattville, Alabama to Rochester, New York to teach vacation Bible school. Now, that's commitment, especially for a kid who'd written have a relationship with Jesus. But if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, pray. Now, if Tammy had been here, she'd have talked 10 minutes about praying. I want you to know some of you attended uh, the meeting that we had here at, at Life Change. There is something happening in the prayer world and the life of believers that I believe God's ordained it in this time for this hour because we need to pray unlike and more than we ever have before. Humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Don't just seek the hand of God, seek the face of God. See, oftentimes we pray and ask God for things. We ask Him, and it's okay to do that. Scripture will bear that out. He tells us many times, if you lack wisdom, ask for it. If you lack this, ask for it. It's okay to ask for things, but oftentimes we ask for things without seeking His face. We want His favor without His face, right? We want His hand without His face. And there's a scripture that addresses that so well in Psalm 16. He says, in my presence, there is fullness of joy. And at my right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. You know what that says to me? Seek my face first. I'll take care of everything you need with my right hand. Humble themselves and pray. Seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. We have heard this verse ad infinitum forever and ever. And we need to live in this place. As children of God, as churches of the living God, we need to live in this place. God said to humble ourselves. He, he gives this directive before He gives the promise that He'll heal our land. I don't know how God's going to do it, but that's solution number one is 2 Chronicles 7, 14. Solution number two is Matthew 28, starting in verse number 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore you... The you is implied there. Therefore you go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The first thing to do is pray and seek God's face. The second thing to do is to go and tell Go and make disciples, and we don't have to be afraid of that because what does he say? I'm going to be with you to the very end of the age. He does not leave us or forsake us, especially when we're out doing his business, when we're out taking care of the business of the kingdom of God. So, folks, we have before us, people of God in this house, we have before us this horrible opportunity. We can sit back and talk bad about politics and talk bad about this person and that person and this group of people. We can, we can sit and curse the darkness all day long. Or we can go and be the light. And this is the horrible opportunity we have because there are people now that are more open to the gospel because of the condition that our world is in than ever before. And what God says is you go. You make disciples. Share your testimony. Look, I think the Romans Road is great. I think the ABCs of salvation are great. I think all these witnessing tools are great. But can I tell you something that's the most effective witness tool that you have is your story. What God has done for you. 
People can argue against a lot of things, but they can't argue against your experience. Because you can tell them what your life was like before God, and you can tell them what happened when you came to know God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And that's why I shared the backstory of what happened at 9-11. Yeah, I do it from time to time, usually only when that Sunday happens to fall on the 11th. Because I don't want us to forget. As a nation, I don't want us to forget. But more importantly, as a people of God, I don't want us to forget that if God saw us through that, He can surely see us through this. If God empowered us with great opportunity during that, He is certainly empowering us right now with a great opportunity during this. Amen. Young people in schools, young people in your friend circles, be the light. You don't have to join in the full conversation, but you can get in that conversation and then begin to share the hope that is in Jesus, the hope that is represented by that cross. Scott, if you wouldn't mind, would you put the picture of the cross back up there? Now, Jesus' cross looked nothing like this. What made out of metal, it's wood. But the symbolism is the same. The only hope our nation has, the only hope that the lost people of this world have is the cross. And just like that cross represented hope at not during 9-11, it's the cross of Christ that gave it that power. And it's the cross of Christ that is still the same today. He died for you. He died for me. And He died for the lost people that we all have in our lives. And I know you all have people that you're praying for. Keep praying for them. And then every opportunity, call and share your story with them again. Tell them what Jesus has done for you. I don't know what your life is like, but this is what mine was. I'm not going to take the time to share my before Jesus testimony. It's ugly, it's nasty, and it'd take too long. But my testimony for my life after I came to know Jesus is beautiful and wonderful, and it'll take too long to take far longer because of the hope that was found in the cross, the cross of Christ. Lord, we're just so grateful today. I want to take you back to 1 Corinthians before I pray, verse 1 and 18, and understand this. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. I watch sometimes this guy named Ray Comfort. Some of you may be familiar with his name. He's quite a witnessing guy. He's all about sharing his faith. And some of his methods I'm not sure that I could walk out and do. But certainly God has called him to that. And he will talk to people. And, and the thing I admire about Ray is he doesn't always show the, the victories. He shows people that walk away and reject Christ. And there's nothing you and I can do about that. And that's not even what God has called us to do. He called us to share the message of the cross. He does the rest of the work, right? And so these people would walk away and they say, that just doesn't even make any sense. That's stupid. Why would anybody do that? It's because they're perishing. But for those that are being saved, that message of that cross is the power of God unto salvation. So, Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you today that you 
loved us so much that you sent Jesus Christ to the cross to die for us. Lord, we sang a song today, Come to the Altar. We sang that song today, God, and it just spoke to my heart as that call is still so vibrant and loud and real today. If you have a need, if you need salvation, come to the altar. If you need hope in a situation, come to the altar. What does the altar represent? Surrender to God, a place of meeting Him. It's nothing special about the steps of this church. But when you come with that kind of heart, it makes this place sacred. It makes it a place where you meet God and you come to Him either as a sinner that needs forgiveness or as a child of God that needs help, that needs comfort, that needs direction, that needs His presence to be made real in your life. So God, even as we sang the song this morning, Lord, Your Spirit tells us today, come to the altar, whether it's this physical place here in this church or altar in your heart that you come to to call upon the name of Jesus. He provides that for us. Hope in the cross of Christ. And for the believer today, I challenge you one last time with the phrase that we have a horrible opportunity right in front of us. A world that has gone mad, lost its mind, gone crazy. The only hope, the only stability, the only future that they have is in the cross of Christ and that message of forgiveness. So Lord, help us today. Help the one who is not in right relationship with you make that right today, whether it's the first time they've come to you or they're coming back because they've drifted away. Help them today, God. Make it right as they remember the cross of Christ. And God, for the people of God in this place, Lord, help us be challenged by the picture of that cross that we carry the message of hope and love and forgiveness into a totally lost and dying and hurting world. You have chosen us. You have chosen the foolishness of preaching and the foolishness of the message of the cross to win people, to see their lives changed, to see their path that is on its way to hell switch to that road that you prepared for them before they were even born. God, grant that in our urgency and our spirits today as the people of God. So with your heads bowed and eyes closed for a moment, I just want to make this opportunity available to those of you who are here and anyone that may be watching uh, online. We thank you for joining us today or whatever day you happen to be watching. Glad that you're watching. Glad that you listen. But whether online or here in this place, you need to make a, a relationship with Christ, either for the first time or to reestablish a relationship that you've kind of lost. If that's you in this house, I would ask you to do one thing for me first, and that is just to slip your hand up and say, Pastor Rick, that's me. I need that message of hope. I need that cross of forgiveness. I need that place of redemption in my life. You've never asked Christ into your life or you've kind of drifted away and you want to set things right and get back in right relationship. Just slip your hand up really quickly if there's anyone. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, ma'am.
Thank you, ma'am. It's a bold thing to say in our life when we come to the realization that our life needs Jesus in it. We must have it. Second question I'm going to ask today is to the, those of you who are in relationship with God and are in the world every day in various places and various assignments and various jobs and situations. And you say, Pastor Rick, I, I want to feel the sense of urgency that you talked about today. I want to understand that I carry a message of hope to a, a world that is just lost a world that's lost its way, a world that seems to be shaking their fist of God, but it's because they don't really know Him. I know Him, and I need to share that. And I want to be more bold in that. If that's you today, just slip your hand up. I want to be more bold. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Can we all stand for just a moment? And I'm going to ask any, uh, any and all of you who raised your hand, if you would, for just a moment. I'm not going to keep you up here long. just want to pray over you. If you raised your hand to reestablish relationship with Christ, come to Christ, I want you to come. If you raised your hand saying you, you're asking God for more boldness to seek out opportunities instead of just waiting for them to fall in your lap, but you want to seek out opportunities to share this message of hope, this light that God has given us in this dark world, would you just step out from where you are and just come and stand across the front for just a moment? God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you raised your hand for that relationship with Christ, come and join these, and we'll just pray all together in this house today. Jesus, we thank you. Glory to God. You know what he's looking for is, is the army. And as a child of God, you're part of the army, whether you know it or not, right? Some of you enlisted and signed up because you knew what you were signing up for in relationship to the army. And some of you are finding out today, I'm going to be a foot soldier in the army of God. Right? What a privilege. What an honor to be used by God in that way. You know that when he comes into our life, he tells us, number one, that he loves us. Number two, that he forgives us. And number three, that if we'll trust him, he trusts us. And you know what he trusts us with? His message. He trusts us with the gospel. That we're just not going to get saved and enjoy it all to ourselves, but we're going to share the joy with everyone around us. So I'd just like if you are comfortable, do it. Just lift your hands for a moment, and I'm just going to pray a prayer over all of you that have come forward today, and all of us in this house, but especially these that have said, I, I want to seek out, I want to be more bold than I've ever been before. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I thank you for these that, that have heard a, a clarion call, a message that says, I, I, I need to be a brighter light, a more effective witness for Jesus. I need to take this story that he's developed in me and, and is still developing in me and share it with other people, the experience of, that I have of coming to know Christ, of having my sins forgiven, the knowledge that my guilt has been removed, that the payment has been made for my sin. And that I can have this life full of joy. Because there's always joy in the house of the Lord. Whether it be the big house in church on Sunday. Or the house of God that dwells. That, that I am for God to dwell in. There is joy in the house of the Lord. And I can be a message of that joy. So I pray for each one today God. In the name of Jesus. That you equip us. That you empower us. And that you embolden us. 
to know that wherever we step, You are with us. Wherever we step in Your name to declare Your name and Your fame and make it more widely known, You are with us. You said You would be with us to the end of the age. Many translations say, Lo, I am with you always. God, we know You're especially with us when we go to declare the message of love, hope, and forgiveness to a lost, dying, and hurting world. That when we open our mouth through Your Spirit, You will fill it. And we thank You for that, Father. So Lord, I, I on behalf, standing in for uh, Your physical presence today, by no means claiming to be God's representative in the earth, but Lord, I, I just commission us all to go. To go. Not to wait for them to come but to go and to tell and to make disciples and see people's lives changed and transformed just like you changed and transformed us. And for the one today who lifted their hand that said, I need to make sure my relationship with Christ is right. God, I pray through the working of your Holy Spirit that you speak into their heart and confirm the decision that they made today. God, that the enemy will not be able to rob it from them, but they will rejoice that they have been touched by the hand of God, that they have stepped up to the cross of Christ and received all that you have done for them, that they have been forgiven and set free and released to live a life that is pleasing to you and that will be another light, another soldier in the army of God. Lord, let us never forget. Let us be constantly reminded of this horrible opportunity of the age in which we live in. That it is nothing to fear, but is something to get serious about in sharing your message. And Father, we're going to give you the thanks and the praise and the glory and the honor for all of it in Jesus' name. Now, God, bless this house. Bless their going out and their coming in. Lord, let the things that they set their hand to in your name be a success to your glory and to your honor. And I pray may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And many of you have heard me say this many times. This is my favorite part. I love it all, but this is my favorite part. May he lift his countenance toward you. You know what happens when he does that? He's catching your eye. He's looking right at you. Like there's nobody else there because there is nobody else there. May he lift his countenance upon you. And when he does that, you know what will happen for you? He'll give you peace. Oh, see in the face of God daily, we'll give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Thank you, ma'am. I need, needed this water about halfway through. God is good. He is so.